0: that i thought i told you that my uh tree teacher had went to jail
1: no you did not tell me this (laughs) you did not tell me that no it's not funny
0: but uh you know we was going strong and then he um kind of got into some trouble and we were gonna try to keep it going after he got out but then was like you know what you're not reliable and so that was like kind of the end of my tree journey of learning the language in Ghana since I'm in Ghana so that kind of put that on hold It's no excuse but that's why I'm not learning I mean it is an excuse the
1: your instructor is can't instruct
0: I... yeah he couldn't instruct um poor guy had some ran into some I don't know, financial, I don't don't give me the line of what, exactly what it was, so that's what <laughs> happened. We went to jail. No, at, first my, at first, my friend was like, the person who was hosting and was like, I think he's lying. And then she was like, um, she like went and did some research, she was like, nope, he indeed went to jail and it's unfortunate. So we had to end our lessons. We were on the road, that's what happened. They
1: we were on the road. Dang, well, I hate to hear that for that man. Dang. sorry for that man <laughs> sorry for that man he's out though right
0: i believe he is i believe he is yeah we just we just couldn't go with him because it was like we needed something reliable and it just wasn't you know worth worth it well he so might like, not go back again he might
1: not but we have to do we have to do she said one and done you get locked up one time it's
0: over <laughs> that that was my, my choice but um
1: Anywho, we can go ahead and. Well, I mean, we got that out the way. I I definitely mm-hmm. want to dive in more because we haven't spoke since um, it's been a month and a lot has happened in a month, a lot has happened in a month. But welcome, Black, to Black Around the World, a space devoted to having conversation that connect, enlighten, heal, and build community amongst Black people go globally. If I can say the word, I'm Queen.
0: I'm Ray. I'm Miss Ray. I'm Miss Ray.
1: I'm Miss
0: Ray. Ray, 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 Ray. I'm a Ray, a Ray of sunshine.
1: Oh yes, all of it. I love it. I'm Ray of sunshine. <laughs> it's that. That like, a good little Instagram name. Ray of, what?
0: Ray of sunshine. I'm sure it exists. I'm
1: sure it exists. Probably. You'd have to put a whole bunch of weird numbers at the end of it or something to make it unique. Yeah. What have you been up to? It's been a, it's been a month. It's been, it's a, been a month. A little over i don't remember since the since we spoke
0: yeah um uh, time be timing and life be lifing and i'm in beach day gear so i just grateful that i'm able to go to the beach on a sunday that's what i did today but i uh it was hard to like pry myself off the beach and i was like dang i could really just sit out here um a little longer but I ended up coming because I had responsibilities to fulfill and definitely wanted to have this conversation. But yes, I've been mean, Beach Day here. Yeah. But you I- Put it on. I, the, that would
1: have been a vibe.
0: I know. It just would have been too loud and too chaotic to have, um, you know, we y'all wouldn't have been able to hear nothing. Um, it's music and all things going on. But like I said, life, life has been lifing um in this past month um it just feels like i'm just like ex- i'm just experiencing that not feels but i know that i'm experiencing the ebbs and the flows ebbs and the flows of life ups and downs um i'm just like feeling them and yeah. it just feels like i also really seeing myself in this mo in this stage um in this season of my life like really seeing like who I am and how I'm relating to people, so I'm excited. to Has conversation because for me, it's like about like responsibility that I'm needing to take and the self awareness that I'm needing to like have. And because uh, I really need, like, I be thinking I'm perfect like not gonna lie like I do be like feel like I have my shit together but not, like this is like a moment where, like whoa you don't girl like you really don't like and so I'm just really like seeing myself on new levels for the first time also you know still trying to extend myself grace but it's been um I'm grateful to be able to see myself because I also fear not seeing myself if that makes sense like you know, I've seen people who are like, "Oh, they just really are not aware. they really lack self awareness and I'm like, "Oh my God, could that be me? Could that ever be me?" So sometimes um I have that fear, but I'm grateful that I'm like starting to see my see myself that
1: that that's really. My life update is just the ebbs and flows of life. But yeah. Well, you brought it to my attention that healing isn't like a one thing. It's like a continuous journey. So I think you know, when you take in consideration the eclipse and everything, I mean, you know, I'm into that type of stuff. If you take in mm-hmm. consideration the eclipse, what's coming out and what's coming in? We're mm. gonna have a lot of aha moments. I know I have. Um, mm-hmm. so I get it. Trust me, I get it. I wish hopefully you got some video of the beach though, because I do want to see what that vibe looks like in Ghana.
0: Yeah, I'll send you some the La Boma Beach. I have to when we bring Erica into the conversation, see see what her favorite kind of beach is. But that's my my go to a crowd beach. But how are things with you, Queen? What's going on with you?
1: Uh, you know, it feels like I got so much going on that I don't even know where to start. It's a it's a whole episode within itself. But all in all, it's been great. I've been working. Um you know macarthur's in school football season just ended so i've been doing that um our little friend whose house i recorded at the last time he's no longer in the mm-hmm. picture thank god round of oh, applause, that. Round of applause. <laughs> we need the the buttons to have the applause <laughs> um, right That'll yeah you know that that had been a whole ebb and flow within itself but um yeah all in all the career is great um, you know, I'm just really trying yes. to uh, live in situation in order. Um, you know, I feel like I've been here for a year, but I'm still readjusting to what life in Texas feels like. And yeah. trying to get a social security card, trying to get a driver's license. That has been a whole thing. So yeah, that, you know, I feel like this is going to be my moment of just relaxation therapy every time we get on a call with someone it really just allows me to just sit in myself for a minute you know with myself in myself whatever and just like reflect on the things that I need to talk about but haven't Mm -hmm. but yeah you know I love that for you I'm
0: glad that we could provide that space for each other Um, in this podcast, so even if no, don't nobody be listening, like we are getting the things out of it. (laughs) So I just want to bring Erica in to the conversation. Erica, how are you? How's it going? Where in the world are you? (laughs) Hi
2: babies um it's going good i'm in uganda i'm in kampala it's super late here and i'm going to go ahead and out myself and apologize in advance where i'm staying has two dogs not one but two and they all of a sudden just got real chirpy and so i hope they stay calm right now they're not barking i hope it stays this way the duration of this recording but if not you know we're just gonna call it a little bit of pepper they just sprinkle in, in a little bit of this african environment
1: and it is what it is, it is <laughs> sound effects. yeah sound, sound
0: effects, effects. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. we'll 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 you know ebb and flow with the sound effects but thank you for making time yep. during your trip to uganda thank you um you and i met in ghana so grateful for that connection back in 2022 i believe you did a workshop uh for the girl trek event and that's how we got yeah. connected do you remember what that workshop was on it was a for a women's yes, event? yes that women's workshop was on attachment style across women's
1: history month i believe yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: attachment style you say? Yep, it was my part of
2: the event was around attachment styles. Yeah, how does our childhood end up influencing how we show up in relationships, and how do you show up in relationships end up and end up influencing the words you use in relationships and expectations you have out of relationship, and all of that equals attachment.
1: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) so we're gonna be right back in there then. Oh right. right. Okay, I I didn't
0: realize that. You know, I was working the whole thing, so I didn't get to listen. I was like, can I just, like, take take a break and go listen to what Erica's saying? I knew it was going to be good, but I was working the event, and that sounds so good. Uh, I'm sorry I missed it, but I'm glad you're here full circle to be able to kind of touch on some of those things as we are, you know, looking forward to talking about those things. So,
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, before we dive in, I just want to give you a moment yeah. to I guess, introduce uh-huh. yourself and tell the people who you are and about your work. So, hey, everyone. My
2: name is Erica Daniel. I am a certified Tematica in-
1: intimacy coach. What
2: does that even mean? Well, for some people, you may know intimacy intimacy coaches to be sex and relationship coaches. Um, I like to tell people that I'm more concerned about how you show up authentically in relationships of love. And what that means is for me, I feel responsible to help people deepen their physical and emotional relationships. But the only way you can do that is if you really know who you are, if you really know how to express what your needs, what your desires are, because when you do that, you're able to make space for the needs and desires of other people, and you're able to show compassion. But you will never again lose or allow somebody else's desires, wants and needs to be placed ahead of your own. Really, really important. I think it's meaningful. It really drives relationships, but the most important relationship it drives is the one with ourselves. So that's a little bit about me. I'm Ohio native, born and raised in Northeast Ohio. I am definitely Ohio, grows to my core. Um, since the age of 18, I've lived mostly outside of the U.S. and per, for the past, crowd got my I do mean you can't find me in Ohio or Crawl. I'm likely on a plane and somewhere else in this world. So that's a little bit about me and my interest and in why I do what I do.
1: She's living the life I want to live. <laughs> yes, that
0: sounds amazing. I, I, feel, I want to know, and you don't have to like go like all the way deep back in. I just want to know like... I feel like this is your life's work and correct me if I'm wrong, but how do you, how does one get to be an intimacy coach? Not meaning what was the certification, but at what moment did you know, this is what I want to help people. This is my passions. What I, I want to kind of walk people through, um, getting to know themselves in order to be in better relationships. Like, when did you know that you wanted to do this and what prompted it? Like what came along?
2: Ever since I was younger, this is the work that I've been doing. So, I was a peer sex educator in middle school and high school. I was like a person you could come to for confidentiality reasons in college to talk about different like sex related things and whatnot. And so, that has always been there. But when 2018, I decided to start a business, and I the first event I held was around sexuality. Nobody asked me any questions, but I faced a lot of criticism. And this was an event that was held in Ghana, so it was a lot of criticism, a lot of name-calling, and just a lot of all the other things. And I was like, okay, God, I, I know I must be going to something good because nobody's asking questions, but there's a whole lot of judgment that's happening. And so I had the event, and a friend of mine was in PR, And she got me linked with a bunch of radio programs and a bunch of evening TV programs. And so I started doing those and just really started talking about why talking about sex was important, why talking about relationships was important. And one of those series or segments, my therapist at the time heard. And she said to me, Erica, I think the things that you are saying are really important and people really need them but like you should go and do a training so that you aren't bringing any harm to anyone because relationships are already vulnerable. And so you don't want it to be like whatever you're saying that impacts someone's life or relationship is harmful. And I was thinking- I don't want to bring any harm. I don't want to induce any harm. I, you know, I want to help uplift people. And so that is what got me on this road and path of, okay, how do I do this? How do I uplift people and not bring harm? How do I even recognize when harm is existing? What does that look like? What does that mean? And so that took me down the road of, how do I make this official, quote unquote, official, right? How do I actually... Bring myself into a market instead of just being a quote unquote advocate. But how do I say I am the person? And so that's when I started looking for certification programs and found one and was able to go through it and really understand the difference of just like good speech and harmful speech or understanding trauma in life. And the other bit for me is like in doing all of this since I was younger. You know, a quote or thing that they always say in my family is like, you boo, like just be you boo. And that was always important because I felt like everybody around me, like my peers, and you can see with teachers and dance instructors and coaches, everybody was kind of looking for the influence of other people. And so they would take on an off mask, right? They weren't showing up authentically as themselves. And then I also realized that there's so much messaging that we get as we grow and evolve that takes us away from who we are, who we were literally created to be. So in doing this and looking for courses, for me, it was also really important to be like, how do I help people accept who they are? How do I help people understand that that quirkiness about them is their uniqueness? And it's really beautiful. And somebody wants it. Somebody thinks that like they're so worthy of love, even though they like squeal a little bit when they laugh, like it's okay to do that. Like you don't have to stop doing that. And so that thread and that piece of that authenticity, like who you are, has space to exist in this world, was really, really, really important for me as I was looking to figure out a way to like, I'm trying to think of the word, like to credentialize, I know I just made up a word, but I like credentialize myself and to kind of like, you know, take up space in this space.
0: You, okay, thank you so much for that. One of the things that stuck out is like, you recognizing when you were like, potentially harming people because I feel like this happens a lot people find something that they're passionate about some kind of message they want to get out of the world some kind of way they want to heal and free people but then they don't recognize when maybe there's some steps before or something that that people need to kind of ground themselves in before they even get to what you're trying to explain them like you you said recognizing when harm has been harm, when you harm the harm, like harm someone, like would it, because I feel like um a lot of people don't know this, like I don't, um tell me about how you knew you could be harming people, what does that look like that you could have harmed those people that you potentially did that workshop where your heart was in the right place, can you expound on that?
2: Yeah, I love this question because it is something I don't think we actually evaluate when we think we're showing up from a place of elevation, when we're showing up from a place of trying to help people. So an example that I like to give is there's a gentleman in Ghana who is heavily in the sex and relationship space. And a lot of what he says is full of shame. So, if you are a single woman and you have a child and you had that child out of wedlock, the first thing he says to you is, well, why were you even having sex before you got married? You know, you brought this on yourself and blah, 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 blah. And for him, it's like, cause he, he wants to show up from this Christian perspective and then da, 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 and it's like, whoa, that is so harmful. This person is coming to you because They see you as someone you can trust with an issue to help get guidance and advice. And instead of offering space and saying like, you know what, like, hey, let's focus on exactly the question you're asking, you're pointing finger at the things this person has already had to deal with and likely are still dealing with. You are pointing out to them, you know, in your mind, from your perspective, all the wrong that they've done before you will get to what you are telling them is the right way
1: yeah i mean it was a good example because yeah Mm -hmm. i i see where he was probably coming from a a like you said a christian you know this is my intention but someone who's already going through that and dealing with that they it's a definitely a shameful feeling once you're telling me what i did wrong as opposed to how i can get through what i did
0: yeah, I'm wondering if, exactly. If,
1: yeah, I'm wondering if
0: you're like this is if there's shame involved, if there's judgment involved, assumptions involved. Like that's a surefire, <laughs> like example of how harm harm will be in it. And like checking your message to see if that's that is a part of your message, right? I would think.
2: Exactly. But sometimes that's also the hard part, right? Because we feel often people feel as if what they have to say deserves to be heard, right? So we aren't evaluating how our words land or impact another person receiving it.
1: Mm-hmm. Does
2: that make sense?
1: Oh, absolutely. It actually reminds me of an episode that we had where we were, you know, opening the floor to talk about, you know, things that we're dealing with, but then someone's response was very anti-Black, you know? And so it was kind of like, we don't want this out here in the universe because A, it could reflect back bad on us, but then B, we don't want to seem as if we condone his thoughts. So I get it, you know, it's creating a space to talk about something, but then tread in lightly um, for sure, because you do have to be sensitive to how people pick up things or perceive things really.
2: Yeah, and it's also just like instead of going in with that judgment or that shame, like what you're saying about this person who showed up and was clearly anti-black, it's like, mm, actually, <laughs> sir, you know, like that's a sign that maybe something happened in your life. And we're saying that like things happen mm-hmm. and you may need to go do some self-work and some self-reflection, but here we're are pro-black and there's lots of love for that but there's also lots of love for all opinions right and so it's just like it's not just about my thoughts and my opinions but it's really about like what are you asking for Yeah. what do you need and how can I speak to what you're asking for and what you need without it being a reflection of what I need and what I perceive you to be asking for or what I want you to ask for. So harm can come in a lot of ways there. Harm also comes in with like social media influencers who are doing a lot of clickbait. They're just saying the things because they want the clicks, they want the likes, they want the followers, but people hang on to their words, right? People take what they say to be like gospel, And it's like, actually, half of what they're saying may not be their real lived experience. It may literally just be, oh, I think this is going to get me some attention, or I think this is going to, you know, catch the attention of this person. So yeah, I'm going to say it. So it's like, how are you allowing yourself to be influenced? And again, for me, that ties back to that authenticity link because sometimes we just don't know who we are because we've been told to stifle ourselves, to hide ourselves, to that we're not important, that we don't matter, our words don't matter, you know, all, all these different things, all these different messagings that are damaging to the core of who we are, that people are looking for people that represent sides of them that either they want to be or that they know they are or that they wish they could be. And so there's harm in that too, because you're still not getting to live and be who you are. And that all shows up in relationships.
1: Yeah, I love how that comes full circle. I mean, it sounds like you have to be very intentional about making sure you're not harming people when you're teaching them about relationships and then also being in a relationship. Like everything is related. If you, if it's funny how you're describing how, you know, you- don't want to harm people in the messaging but you also are trying to teach people not to harm people based off of their own trauma in relationships it's like it's full yeah. sign. I love that. she also yeah she also said
0: something really key of like you know, the example that you gave Queen about like, you know, someone says something anti-Black, but then how do you still, something we've been trying to navigate and me personally have been trying to navigate is, how do you still like hold space for people's opinion and where they are at in in their life in the moment, you know? Um, and that also kind of, that also kind of speaks to like a, what I was speaking to in the um, beginning of the show is like, I'm just in this season. I feel like I'm starting to really, um, recognize more than ever like my own shit and like how um even my propensity to kind of like maybe um not want to hear something that is like in opposite of what what I'm believing or what message I'm trying to put out. but finding that balance of how do you hold space for who, who people are and try to give them what they need in that moment I love what you said like giving someone what they need in the moment so speaking of, I feel like for me, this is like, I've, I'm really navigating relating to myself in a, um, and I'm in a space of relating to myself in a different way and deepening my relationship with myself. How would you say um, how we relate to ourselves impacts our relationships with those around us? I
2: love this question. And just to like circle back real quick to the example and everything that was being said like you know one thing that you can also do when you are like giving people what they want is honor their disappointment so that person who was anti-black that showed up just be like oh man I know it sucks for you to be in a pro-black space and to feel like you have to come here with this rage damn that sucks but guess what you gotta sit with that disappointment today because we are who we are. <laughs> and look, we just gave you an opportunity to share your views and opinions. Cool. But over here, this is how we get things done, right? So that's like, okay, that's how you feel. Cool. Sorry, it feels that way for you, but here, this is what this is how it feels for us. And so, like, part of honoring you and honoring them is honoring their disappointment. You don't have to admit it at all. <laughs> So, I like to always make sure that people know that, like, that disappointment thing is real. And you calling it out and almost showing some empathy to it, like, oh, you and your feelings right now. Okay. I see that. But uh, yeah, go, you know, go ahead. But okay, to come back to your question, though. So, it's more like, it's kind of like a law of attraction thing what you put out or law of attraction, reap what you sow, these different laws, right? What you put out is essentially what you attract. So if you believe that you are not worthy of a partner who's going to do right by you, whatever the definition of do right by is for you, because that looks different for everyone. If you feel you're not worthy of a partner to do right you're only going to attract partners that won't do right by you. Mm. So if your definition of do right by you is to be committed in a monogamous relationship and you end up with a person who always cheats, somehow you always end up with the person who's looking outside, they're cheating, oh, you know, they slipped and fell on somebody else. It's like, why does this keep happening to me? It might keep happening to you because deep down you do not believe that you deserve person that's going to do right by you.
0: Uh-oh, I see something going on. The light bulb. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, <laughs> only the past. So you, I feel like you're speaking to patterns and relationships, and I've been navigating uh, patterns and relationships that, for myself personally, like I said, and I was just explaining to someone, this guy who I was, and he said um, I feel these feelings for you strong feelings for you but I'm not quite sure why my actions can't line up with how I feel about you and I was like oh yeah you know this ain't nothing new story of my life and then he was kind of like well Well, who's the common denominator basically? Like, if it it keeps happening, then it's you, you're the problem. And I rejected that notion, but I'm still also there. Was there is a responsibility that I think I need to take in it, but I didn't think what he was saying was a responsibility I need to take it. I think I need to. I think it's the beliefs and not in, and it's oftentimes, like you said, deep down, it's also like subconscious. Like we're not even aware that we actually believe it until we like get in tune with ourselves. And so it's like, what belief am I believing to be a tra- like at projecting or putting out my auras, giving off or whatever have you that attracts a man who feels like even today somebody was like you you get men who like the idea of you i'm like yes they like the idea but there's nothing after the idea and so anyways that's a little bit of mine i love this (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you know
2: right the first thing i would ask is like do you feel like what do you feel you're worthy of right because if you ultimately don't feel you're worthy of someone that wants more than just the idea of you, more than just the paper description of you, if that scares you that, oh man, there could be a person out there that like wants to see me, know me, like really know me beyond just what I'm capable of doing. Like if that scares you, that's where the evaluation has to come in. Why are you scared, right? And when was the first time that you felt scared of that? And what that what this guy did with you was basically he flipped it back on you. He came and was like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling this way. And then you're like, oh, well, here we go again. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, you're the problem. You're the problem. Not me at all. Not me at all. It's you. It's your fault. And it's like, no, actually, bro, your actions can't align with how you feel. That's not me. That's you. And I now get to make a decision and a choice of how I want to move forward. That may be without you. Because you just literally told me your actions are not going to align with your feelings, which lets me know that, you know, maybe I'm not going to be the priority, or you're always messing around with somebody else, or you're never going to be able to do this thing that I really want, or, 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 and so it's like, if you stay, you're allowing what they said they can't do to continue to be what they won't do. And that's where those patterns also end up coming back over and over and over and over because it's hard to honor it, mm-hmm. to hear it, to feel it, and to walk away from it.
1: Yes. That's true. That is, oh, I love it. Thank you. Thank you. So when you're normally, let me ask you a question. So when you're normally dealing with like couples, how do you recognize these patterns and red flags and do you have like remedies for them normally? Or is it like you said, sit in it, but you have to be aware of what's happening. So how, how do you kind of help guide them towards building a stronger, you know, more resilient relationship with these patterns? I guess it's like- a With
2: couples, it's so hard. With couples, it's so hard because it takes time to actually see what the patterns really are, right? Mm-hmm. When you got two people in a room who are dealing with really big emotions, really want to be heard who are trying as much as possible to get you to pick their side even though you're like I'm unbiased I'm I'm here for love <laughs> they're like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but you heard me right he wrong she wrong and it's like mm, y'all wrong we right like can change the narrative so when you reckon when I reckon a pattern it's easy to recognize because the speech continues, right? So with most couples, it's pretty consistent of this keeps happening. I don't feel like this. I feel like I have to keep saying this. Oh, they always do this. They never do this, right? Those words, always, never, forever, every single time. When I start hearing phrases like that, I'm looking at it because those words are so big and they're not true. They're not true. We just happen to pick it up faster when something isn't happening that we really want to happen. Or when something happens that feels really good too, we pick it up like, you know, one time did they ever do this thing and that thing mattered so much to me and they've never done it again. So I'm looking for those types because those are showing me patterns, but, even though it's showing me patterns, it's actually showing me the trauma and wounding of the person speaking. Mm. Because why does this matter so much? Why does it matter so much that he never opens the door for you? He never opens the car door. He never opens the door when you go to a restaurant. And his response is, well, our first date, I did it. And at your your dad's funeral, I did it. Okay, that was probably not the best example to use. (laughs) But you know, and like he, he may be able to recount certain things and it's like, see, so you can't say I never do it. I got examples of when I've done it. And those are probably times when the partner was really trying, trying and really trying to match their partner and make them feel, you know, loved and seen. But when you say words like never or, you know, always, every time that shows me that there's some wounding in you. There's some trauma. There's something that has happened and this, what may seem small to the rest of the world is huge for you. And so patterns for me often lie in the language.
0: Ray's like, oh, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Not yet. Only because I literally just had this within a friendship and it really ended our friendship to an extent. Um, I use the word always and first of all let me backtrack it was a moment where i was like coming to the person to bring them like this is how you're making me feel um this is how i feel when we do this this, and that and and then the, the person replied and i was like you always do this this and that and the person was like always and so the whole conversation derailed and where for me, I was looking for us to be able to like kind of address like how I how this person make me feel, but it became about always because mm. my friend felt like she does the work and does a good job, like she's been intentional about like how she relates to me. And so for me to say always, her her take on it was then you must not be like able to receive what I'm giving you if you if, the, if this is because she said is it always and for me I'm just trying like it's hard for me to like us like kind of even approach people and tell them this is how you make me feel anyway and I was like trying to get past her like stopping saying always I'm like yeah sure she's like do you mean always I was like yeah and I kept going on and she was just like oh we're, we're, we obviously can't be friends if you've been feeling like this why are you even my friend and that was kind of the thing in it derailed the whole conversation and I just felt like she's like if this is how you feel then what are you doing here so but you are saying that that that's probably something a a pattern within myself that I need to uh, address that if I feel that she's all what she's doing is always and she's like that's not what I'm intending to give you then or that's not what I've been perceiving that I've been giving you you're saying that Something about what that means to me is a pattern within myself that I need to address. I'm letting it all so, out today. so
2: when she let's say you feel like anytime you go to her house, she always gives you water, even though you never ask for it. Or you you say when you walk through the door, I'm cool, I don't need anything. And she always still brings it, right? Notice how I'm using the word. For you, in your experience. Like, but you always give me water and I I say, I don't need the water and you always do it, right? For you in that case, the pattern may not be, it's not around the word always. It could be something around maybe not feeling heard, maybe feeling like your words have no meaning on the person because when you say there's something you don't want, they still do it anyways. And so it feels like you always do this because something in you was like, but I said I didn't want any water. Why are they still bringing this water? And so it feels like whenever you're interacting with them, you're essentially always on guard because this thing, this wounding may get hit of your words not being your words or you not really being heard or them thinking they know what you need even though you said what what you need or what you want. Does that make sense? On the flip side, when people hear things like you always do this, right? Often when we hear it, when we're in an emotional, vulnerable conversation and we hear words like never, always, every time, it feels like the finger is being pointed. You, because it always starts with the you. Most times it starts with the you. See, I just said always too, I didn't mean that. Most times it starts with you. And "you" is a very powerful word when you're in emotional conversation, because it feels like it feels like daggers. It feels like punches. Like you always do this. You never do this. You like it feels like your mom pointing finger at you. And 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 like you can't get it right. And what people are hearing is you can't get it right. You're always a failure. You don't know how to show up for people. You don't love the right way. Uh, you make too much noise, you always try to be the, the biggest scene in the room, you take too much space, right, they're not hearing, yo, when I come over and I say I'm cool and I don't need water, honestly, I don't need water, they're hearing, you're too much, you're, you're making, you always make it about yourself, that's what they hear, and that's hitting on an internal wounding that they have, So in your conversation, Ray, it feels like you were trying to show up from a very vulnerable place and you were trying to share from a really authentic and tender place. But because it's already something that makes you really uncomfortable, you know, like you did what most of us do. How how many times did I just say always? (laughs) I didn't even mean it in that way. It's so easy to let these words slip through when we're already in our head about the thing we're trying to get to, about the thing we're trying to make sure we communicate and say, right? And so we're not even noticing that, we're saying always, never, you know, every time. And I just did this with someone as well in a voice note. And I went back to listen to it and was like, oh my goodness, look at look how many times i said ever, always, never. (laughs) And I had to go back and apologize in another voice note and say, hey, I was just feeling really charged and I felt like I had to get that off of my chest. I know that it's not always or you know, never you know, I know it's just on occasion and I'm feeling it so deeply right now because it's making me feel like you don't see me. It's making me feel like you don't want to be in relationship with me that they were able to receive that they were able to respond to and they're like whoa wait a minute erica i love being in a relationship with you and to hear you say that you think i don't want to be in relationship with you that breaks my heart because you know i thought what we had was much stronger now we can have a real conversation now we've both broken down that defensive mechanism that pops up and we've allowed ourselves to enter the real space of intimacy We've also removed our sides because we've shown our cards. Because we've shown our hearts.
1: You know, it's so funny. I when you say all these things and what you know Ray has brought up, it reminds me of I guess the the overall topic anyway, it's the whole childhood experiences and not necessarily trauma, because I know growing up, I was always told. Oh, you exaggerate a lot. Oh, you're a drama queen. And so I kind of embraced it. So when I say the words always, I'm like, oh my God, I've been waiting here forever. You know, I do that, not necessarily thinking what the other person is experiencing when I say these forevers and always. I just like, you know, okay, yeah, I'm always waiting on you. But it's like, you really do have to be mindful of your speech because though I had been told I'm a drama queen and I exaggerate, I'm like, yeah, that's me. But I'm like, no, it really isn't. It shouldn't be, I guess, because then that could really make the other person feel like they're either not doing something right. Or I don't know, like I I don't want to come off that way, but I guess when it comes to the whole inner child and what you've experienced, like how, How much of it can be detrimental? Because I I didn't think me exaggerating would be so problematic. But when you're talking about these words, it's like I use these words all the time. And I it's not necessarily intentional to to hurt someone, but now I realize I could be the problem. So (laughs) as far as my speech is concerned, so I don't know. I, I guess it's like what is my question, or is it more of a statement? But I see how your childhood experiences can really play a huge part on your relationships, both intimate or not. Absolutely.
2: And, and you know, some people can love exaggeration, right? They can find it really playful and fun and they can respond back to you with that same type of exaggeration. Like, girl, stop playing. You know, it's been 30 seconds and 30 more seconds times, 10 times 30 seconds. You got 30 more seconds. Let me go back to the car because I I left something, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And then other people may laugh, but inside they're like, oh my goodness, like she never shows me any grace and I show her so much grace and that's where tension starts to build. And before you know it, this person ain't returning your calls. They're not showing up for you the way they used to show up and you're clueless as to why. And when you find out why it seems or appears as if it was something really, really big. And it was like, Whoa, that was just me, like expressing myself. And it was how it landed on them. Where it could have just been a, a conversation of gross sometimes when you exaggerate, it actually gives me a lot of anxiety. And it's like, Oh my gosh, I am late and I hate being late and did it. And I hate that I made you wait. I'm so sorry. And then, you know, okay, the next time I go out with this person, I'm not going to exaggerate the fact that they were like 30 seconds late or three minutes late. I'm going to celebrate the fact that they persevered through that traffic. They left work and we are here and we're going to have a great time together. Right? Because now you have insight into how to make that relationship thrive. Yes. Right? And so it's like, oh,
0: oh, (laughs) it's those aha moments. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Queen mentioned the the childhood and its impact. Kind of sorry, backtracking. I didn't want to. Um, I want to sit on the childhood. I saw that you do in a inner child, like releasing your inner child, but also know that you are, um, intentional about you know, the messaging that we received during our childhood. So I guess I'm trying to figure out, like, how do we release the inner child that has all the messaging, has all the experiences? Like, is the inner child something that we tap into, like, once, like, addressing those things? Or is it possible to unleash the inner child? Like, what does it mean to unleash the inner child when you have so much conditioning, so many experiences that that kind of oppress that inner child in you. If that makes sense.
2: It makes a lot of sense. And too often we are told to leave our inner child as the child right as your past you don't need that here anymore oh you grew up in poverty oh you never knew when you were going to have your next meal or oh you grew up being the prettiest girl in the room and like look at you you're still so pretty like none of that matters just show up right now as, as you are, as the professional woman, as the student, as the religious person or non-religious person, as the queer person or heteronormative. Just show up as you are today. Don't worry about that past. And it's like, actually, that past influences who I am today and in this moment. And so what I would tell people is your inner child is always accessible and your inner child is always with you. So if you're at a wedding, let's just use a wedding as an example. You're at a wedding and that song comes on that you really like, that you like to bop to, but like you the guest at the wedding, you don't really know anybody else there. And you're sitting there with your you know, fruit juice, sipping it and kind of nodding your head in the chair, but there's something inside of you that's like, no, this is our song, get up and move, get up and dance. That's your inner child. That is your little girl or your little boy saying, let me out. Release me. Let's be free. Let's feel in this moment. And we shut them down. Oh, we can't do that. We don't know these people. You know, oh, we have this sheila la wedding. No, no, no. We just have to sit in, and bat our eyes and be really cute and posh because that's what's expected of us. Or I'm at a work event. I can't dance at a work. I can't do a line dance at a work event. I'm the boss. Let me be the boss. And that inner child is like, come on, move. Just just do a little bit of it, right? But that self-criticism comes up. That judgment comes up. That perception of what are people going to think of me once they see the side of me comes up. But what also comes up is hurt. Because, man, I really love that song. And I didn't dance to it. And now I'm going back to my room and I'm like, man, I didn't have the greatest time. It was just okay. You know, it was... I just spent four hours. I didn't okay that. And it's like, no, nah, you're feeling that way because your child was begging you to let them out. And you said no. And the reason you said no was because, likely because someone's conditioning told you that at a certain point in your life, it's not okay to do childish things, right? I'm here in Uganda. There was a music playing in the air. And I asked our caretaker, what's, what's that music for? Because in Ghana, you know, you know, different sounds go with different things. One sound is for the man collecting trash. One sound is for, you know, maybe the water truck man. One sound is like the public transportation folks calling out city locations they're going to. And so I, I was like, mm, that's a sound. I know that sound has to be linked to something. And he said, oh, it's, it's the person who sells ice cream. So it's like the ice cream truck. And my little girl lit up so big. And she was like, you have an ice cream truck and it comes around and what does he sell? And this guy was like, oh, oh, should we go find him? (laughs) How do we do this for you? And then a little bit of that, whoa, Erica, you're in a new country. You don't know this person. You just met them five minutes ago. Like let them see the like, side of you that's don't mess with me came. And when that came, I instantly felt like deflated. Like I felt like all the joy that had just filled me was taken away and taken out of my body. And he noticed it. And he was like, oh, uh, oh, okay, I'm gonna just keep sweeping now. And I was like, whoa, look at how quickly I shut down my, my little girl. When she was just excited at the sound of the song was an ice cream truck in Kampala like who knew and so I had to remind myself that we don't do that we don't shut her down we allow her to be excited about ice cream trucks and a road, a side roads of Kampala and next time we gonna find the ice cream truck and we gonna get something off of it too we gonna take some pictures and we gonna post it because that's what my little girl wanted and it doesn't make me less of a person. It doesn't take away anything around my profession. It doesn't take anything away from my relationships. It allows me to be me. It allows me to let my excitement shine through in ways that feel good and right for me. And so that inner child is always there, always knocking. I gave a positive side of what that inner child feels like. The not so positive side is... Maybe when you are work, you're at work and a question is asked and you feel like you know the right answer and you raise your hand and you speak with clarity because you're confident in what you're saying and then you, you get shut down. And that feeling, maybe that stems from your heart, maybe your heart starts racing, your palms start sweating, you feel like you want to leave the room, you're, you're embarrassed, you feel like, oh my gosh, what have I just done? You know, am I going to lose my job over this now? People think I'm incompetent. That's also your little girl. And that's like maybe something that she or they experienced when maybe you were in the first grade or you were in kindergarten or you were at home and you were doing your homework and someone called you stupid or someone was like, how, what do you mean? You don't know the answer to one plus one. And it's like, uh, oh, ma'am, sir, I've never done mathematics before. Like you are supposed to be teaching me one plus one. It's not an automatic response. And so that's also your inner child saying, Hey, I need you to come to me and to tell me that I'm okay. I need you to come to me and tell me that like my big, you got me. And I don't have to fear what just happened. I don't have to run away from it. That like, I can allow myself to feel it and I can allow myself to move on past it. So your little shows up with the excitement, but also with the fear, also with the shame, also with the judgment. And so when you allow that inner child to be a part of your experience, you really start feeling. You really start allowing yourself to just like feel what it means to be you as things are happening real time.
1: You know, you say that, and it's actually last week I was invited to be a uh, president, or president, what's it called? Principal for a day. And it reminds me like when I was there, I think we are teaching our children to suppress that inner child at a very young age especially starting in school. Cause I seen the kids like, you know, they want to, they got their full of energy. They want to do kid things, but then it's like, no, sit down, behave, be quiet, uh, catch a bubble, put your fingers up. Like, you know, there was just so many different tactics to stop that child from being a child. I mean, obviously, you know, as a, as a teacher, there's so many kids in the class, you kind of got to have some type of control. But I remember one little girl out of nowhere, she was like, it was the most random thing I found it to be hilarious but she actually kind of got in trouble but she was saying like you know I accidentally ate this but it's okay I threw it up and it was just it was so random but it was like she felt like I needed to share this information I ate this it didn't sit with me but I threw it up but it was like okay I guess a time and a place for everything but it just reminds me of how we are even at that age first grade second grade we're teaching these children to start you know being indoctrined into like the adult life like you gotta sit there don't talk speak when spoken to you know you you, take those ants out your pants and so you have to take a conscious effort to allow that inner child to be especially as an adult because you have like you said in work at work school there's so many things that teach you to grow up don't be fun and it's unfortunate
2: Oh, all of that and what you that one phrase you said speak when you're spoken to you know children are meant to be seen and not heard there are so many people in my life who like there's no space for them to talk there's no space for them to say what they need to say because they heard those type of phrases or statements so much in their life so when they speak up for themselves or when they say what they need They also cower because, oh, no, no, no. Someone's going to tell me that, like, my words don't matter. Someone's going to tell me that I'm not meant to be talking because that's what they heard so often as a child. And so those messages are what we internalize, right? Like you were saying, Queen, about, you know, being told, oh, you're so dramatic. You're an exaggerator. You embody that then. (laughs) Oh, okay That's what I am. That's that's what I'm supposed to be. Okay, that's who I'm going to be then. So imagine being told to sit down and shut up. Imagine being told, like, you know, um, get out of adult business. Go go sit in, a, in the kid corner. Go be a child. Right? Or yeah. even things that I'm sure we all heard as Black women. You know, you better eat everything on your plate. Mm. A lot of people are obese or not having healthy eating habits because of that type of messaging. And your inner child is like, oh my gosh, you just went somewhere. Somebody made you a plate. They put way too much on it. I got to eat all of this because, you know, we'll waste no food in this house.
0: That's making me all, all those messages. Yeah. It's, I'm grieving, like, even thinking about the community and family that I grew up in and how often we're like, policing people children and they're and we're talking about inner child like they're at the stage where at, this is the most prime time for them to do the things and we're like silencing them and I'm like grieving thinking about all the messaging and I've heard people's adults say the kids in my presence you know um I'm also thinking about like how you said even like, you know, and how you're relating to someone and how like maybe you're afraid of shame or you're afraid of something, you know, that related to what happened to you in first grade when you spoke out and got something wrong. It's making me want to like really be more aware of like my, uh, when my inner child is like, kind of like, popping up because I I always am aware of it but I'm like what is what is that like certain situations where I'm like afraid of like speaking up or like uh you know in a relationship or something like that or whatever I have you and I'm like there's like a shame this fear of like being shamed there's fear of all these things like and now that you're explaining it, explaining it, like, that's the inner child, too, because I often just think about inner child as, like, the joy and excitement, but, like, also, like, the kind of moment where you were wounded, to an extent, pops up in your adulthood, that, you know, that makes me think about um, safe spaces. I've often said I want to find friendships that are safe spaces, work that is safe spaces. I only want to be in community in a safe space. But correct me if I'm wrong, I'm starting to realize nowhere, no one's safe, nowhere safe. We're all just kind of messed up in ways and suffering from different traumas. And there's no safe space. And what I'm realizing is like I it's my responsibility to create the safe space, no mm-hmm. matter where I'm at. that's how I'm starting to look at it because I'm like because if I go about it in like who's safe then I'm cutting everybody out honestly because no one to me no one's providing the safety that only I can provide for me obviously that, that looks like boundaries that looks like what I'm internalizing what I'm aware of you know and so for me it's like um like I said, only I can create that safe space. So tell me tell me if this is, resonates or is this something you agree with? But well, what does it look like to, to create our own safe space if that is the logic that we should go with? It?
2: So I tell people there is no such thing as a safe space safe space does not exist and it doesn't exist because we all have our own trauma our woundings our own lived experiences our own understandings our own you know tornado of things influencing who we are what does exist in this world is safer spaces Hmm. right and those are spaces that are trying not to do harm or induce harm those are spaces that have an ethic of if I do something that's hurt you, tell me so that I can correct it. Right? Those are the spaces are like I want to try to show up the best way that I can for you, but I also acknowledge that I may fail you. Right? So like allyship and all of that. Like, well, you can only be an ally to a certain point because at some point, if you still push against something you believe in, and so you know you can ally her, you can be a safer, but you are not going to be safe. So that's one thing I like to tell people, safe spaces don't exist, safer spaces do, because it also breaks down this idea or this conditioning that like, oh, when I walk into this room, I'm okay. All my worries can go away. It's like, actually, no, there may be somebody in that room that's harmful and unaware that they're harmful, unaware that what they're bringing to you is like causing a trigger or an activation or fear or judgment or shame, right? And it may even be when they're sharing something very vulnerable. It's having an impact on you that's making you feel unsafe. An example I like to give of this is often, you know, if you put a black man in a room with white women and you say it's a safe space, we're all here, all meeting for the same thing. Guess what? A high percentage of them women are gonna feel unsafe just at the black body of a male in the room. Mm. So remember, just, you know, I always tell people like, we gotta remember the messaging, we have to remember the socialization, we have to remember history. So we have safer spaces versus safe spaces. But Ray, what you're asking about, like, how do you create that for yourself? I really for me, I think that's created when you learn how to, like you were saying, set the boundaries, speak to your boundaries. When you learn how to share when there's been an impact that somebody, something that someone has said or done on you, when you learn how to share it vulnerably and openly, And I always tell people, you don't necessarily do that with everybody because it's not everybody in the world that cares about you. But you want to do that with the people that you love. You want to do that with the people that you want to stay in relationship with in relationships that matter. And so, you know, you have to feel safety inside of your body first. If you don't feel it, if, you know, words have been said and it makes you feel unsafe, it makes you feel like harm is present danger is there you to activate it to even regulate down to a place of reasoning and so don't don't force yourself to resolve something right then in that moment and so I say you know have an ethic of repair be willing to fix things as and when they happen with the people that you love but also allow yourself to recognize and feel when something doesn't feel safe, when something does feel uncomfortable. And, you know, the next day or an hour later, 10 minutes later, depending on how you process, ask yourself, what was really happening? Mm -hmm. What really made me feel like I got to check every exit in the room, right? Because often once you're not feeling it, so highly it's not vibrating at such a high level and you've come down your body your mind will actually show you that one thing that was really going up and down inside of you it will say oh that person had on the exact same shirt um, that my ex-boyfriend wore the day he broke up with me or oh that person had on a very similar cologne to the guy who pushed himself up against me without my consent at the club
1: Mm.
2: right it may not be the words of anybody it could be something that small Mm
1: -hmm. that triggers something
0: else are you speaking to like the connection that you have with yourself in order to 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 get down to the bottom of these things because I'm wondering if it speaks to like being connected and and being disconnected. Because my real question is, what does it mean to be disconnected to self? And is this an example of could, could be an example of being disconnected from yourself when you're not able to recognize how things are impacting you and know, why you are you know responding to things or people in this way?
2: It may be. It may not be. It's, it's it's, bigger. It's a bit bigger than just a simple yes or no. Um, there are layers to that that would have to be identified to really recognize if you are disconnected with yourself or if you're dissociating or if really i by that situation. So if you are disconnected from yourself, I think oftentimes you can feel it. And sometimes that disconnection can even just come up in your stress response, right? When something is usually uncomfortable, what do you tend to do? Do you fight? Do you flight? Do you freeze? Do you fawn? Right? So it's like, oh, this thing just happened. I'm feeling really uncomfortable. Deer headlights. Maybe every maybe the world will just move past me. Right? That's that could be a way of you know, not being in tune with, with not being in tune with yourself. That could be a way of like dissociating from the experience. But it's like, why is this really happening? And so I think when you start to get curious, you actually start to come back into connection with your body. But oftentimes we're, we're shamed for doing that, right? It's like, oh, here we go again. She's taking deep breaths. Oh, here we go again. You know, I was sitting on the situation and, and it's just like, let them feel how they feel while you process what you have to process in order to exist in the spaces that you find yourself. So, I don't want anyone to think that just because maybe they feel something less than somebody else, it means that they are not connected to their body, that they're disconnected to the body. That may not be the case. And really, one of the best ways to know it is to work with somebody that can help you move through kind of like where you're showing up and why you're showing up in that way. And another reason I'm kind of like a proponent of this or really kind of like saying, I don't want to just say it's this for this is because sometimes when you're starting to try to come back into connection with yourself, because maybe you thought you were disconnected, you may be disconnected because there's a deep trauma there. There's something that happened that you have pushed down and down and down. And if you unearth that, in a way that if you unearth it and you unearth it alone, you know, like you can be doing more harm to yourself versus if you unearth it with somebody that is capable of helping you like realize where you are, work through that trauma, bring you back into your body, help you really start to identify like what dissociation feels like versus what being present feels like. That creates a safer experience for you to process kind of like what connection and disconnection feels like And when disconnection exists, why it's existing. So just everybody be careful because everyone's journey is very different. And y'all hold things inside of our body that we may not be consciously aware of.
1: Mm -hmm. So I obviously, you know, being the wild child of the group, I know we've dove into the childhood trauma and the relationships but where does sex come in I want to know out of everything that we've spoken about how can you like let's say like what certain patterns could you say oh this person they like to do this so that means they may be dealing with this like is it that obvious or is it something that you kind of is it a little deeper than that? I'm curious, like, like, let's say the whole suppressing the inner child or not being able to feel like you can speak. How does that show up in the sexual aspect of things? I love it.
2: Way to bring it back in. (laughs) So let's go with the example that you just gave, right? Like that whole thing of feeling like you can't speak or being told your whole life that like your words don't matter, you know, sit down, shut up, that sort of thing. So often the traumas or woundings that we experience as a child from that inner child show up as our like desires of what we want out of sex. So if you were someone who felt silenced. If you were someone who felt like your words didn't matter, you may be really turned on by degradation. Maybe someone telling you to sit down, shut up. You mean nothing, right? That might be a huge turn on for you. You might be really turned on when you feel like you're heard. Right, Like, wow, this person actually really really listens to me. They really want to hear my words. You may be turned on by being um, extremely submissive, like being told what to do, which is different than degradation, right? You're being told what to do and you do it. It's like you are now choosing. You now have the agency of choice to say, okay, I'll sit down and be quiet. I'll be a good girl or I'll be the bad girl because you asked them to be, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to go and, you know, drink that bottle of wine because you told me that's what you wanted. And that's such a bad girl thing to do, but I'm going to do it because you, you told me to do it. So it influences your desires, it influences how you feel received by a person you're in a sexual experience with. That's one side of it other side of it is it impacts a impact what you feel you are able to communicate or ask for in relationships so if you were told that you know don't speak unless you're spoken to if you're in actual situation maybe you've never even had a conversation around consent because well they haven't brought it up and so you know i can't bring it up first I can't be the person to talk about it. When should I tell them that I really don't like it when I just get my hair done and then they wanna like run their fingers through my hair? When do I tell them I don't like that? I guess I better not say anything. They may think I'm too bossy or too pushy. And you know, like they don't care about what I have to say. It's okay. It's okay, right? Or maybe somebody's too rough or too gentle or too romantic or not romantic enough. And then you don't use your words because literally your whole life you've been told your words don't matter. And so you don't know how to speak up and ask for the things that you need, want or desire because you never had that container for it. And then the flip can happen. And I have a couple that I'm coaching that this has happened where the partner recognizes, oh, shoot their whole life they've been told that they can't ask for what they want and so I want to create that space where they can and I'm doing it but they're so resistant to telling me and it's like yeah they're resistant to telling you because they don't actually believe that you mean it Mm. they actually don't feel safe when you say no really tell me what you want they feel like nah, this ain't safe. You're gonna use it against me. You're gonna yell at me. Somehow this is gonna come back and be a bad idea. So I'm just gonna stick with what I know. I'm only gonna, you know, once you initiate something, I might say something, but if you don't initiate it, you don't ask me what I want for dinner, I'm gonna eat whatever you bring to the table. Or, you know, like it's that sort of dynamic. And so when you know, What you've experienced, you're really then able to be like, oh, this is why I really like being sexual partners who talk the whole time, who are like, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, I'm going to spank your ass. You know, like they're loud and they use their words and are rotten because you feel like your words were stifled. So you really like to be with a vocal person because they feel freer with their words than you've ever felt. So there's different dimensions of what, or how that desire may show up. And our traumas and our woundings from childhood are often linked to the desires that we want to feel. There is often linked to the emotions we want to feel from sexual experiences. And then that can often be linked to how we want to have the experience. So you can't speak, you're a child, we don't want to hear your words turns into this desire of like, let's say in this case, your desire is to be heard, to be seen and to be seen and heard, which translates to, you know, I want to go on a super romantic date, but I wanna be able to say everything that I want. I want to go to this specific restaurant. I want to drink this type of wine. And as I'm saying these things, like my partner's actually asking me, like, which restaurant do you want to have dinner at? And I get to say, and they get to say, yeah, that's where we're going. Mm. Everything I ask for gets honored. Everything I say matters to this person. And I can feel and sense that it matters to them. And the more we do, the more they hear me, and the more they encourage me to use my words and like just share myself with them, The, the hotter I'm getting, the like sexier I am becoming, the more I want them, the more I desire them. And by the time we leave wherever we are, we are already hot and heavy because they've made me feel seen and heard. Mm-hmm. And so one way to know if that has ever happened for you is if you've ever gone on a date or been with somebody, And before you know it, like you doing things that you would have never done in public, maybe you're making out or you're holding hands, like it can look very different for different people, but you're doing something that would have felt risky in your logical mind. But right now it's like, I don't care that there's hundreds of thousands of people around. I don't care that somebody's recording us. Give it to me now. (laughs) And that's because they're, they're tapping on your desire. They're giving you exactly what you say, what you want to feel, and they're giving it to you in a way that, like, allows you to feel it and to sense it.
0: That makes me think about, like, just how I feel like more women are aware of it. I would like more men to be aware of how sex for most women, it happens a lot outside of what happens in the bedroom like it makes me think of a family member who says that like you know in her marriage she is like tending to the kids doing all the things and like comes through exhausted and her her husband's waiting there trying to initiate sex <laughs> and she's like are you effing kidding me like maybe if you were like partnered up with me tackling these chores with the, with like our, our kids i would be in a in a in a you know Kind of turned on in a way and attracted to you in that way, but I, at, at this at this point, I'm not <laughs> I'm not turned on. I'm not attracted to you. Like I've just done all these things while you're just laying in bed waiting for me, listening to your music in the mood. I'm not in the mood, and so, but I just don't think he recognizes <laughs> that his body and his, him looking at giving her that seductive look is just not a is not going to be. It's not enough to turn her on in that moment. You know
1: but it's an emotional thing it's yeah mental, it's all mental it's all mental with us it's yeah it's it's a lot of, of things
0: my last question was more so about like speaking of sex about was just like I've dabbled in pleasure the idea of pleasure leading to more liberation in your life like pleasure being a porter to liberation and I feel like I still haven't gotten a grasp on what that actually looks like and feels like on a day-to-day and so what does for you what does it look like for pleasure to increase liberation in your life what does it mean to you
2: oh that's a soul true question what does it look like for pleasure to increase liberation in your life for me that looks like the ability to feel joy And the ability to feel love from like everything in my life, right? And it's like love, for example, for me, isn't just the giddy feeling. It isn't just the butterflies in your stomach. It's appreciation. It's fear. Um, It's the good and the bad. It's the highs and the lows. But it's acknowledging that like all of this is... All of, all of these things are the threads that like form the tapestry of our life. And that tapestry is such a beautiful portrait that will be hung on a wall that will show the legacy of like how we showed up, right? It will show our life's work. And so, yeah, for me that liberating feeling comes from being able to hold on to what joy and love feels like for me and it not being or equating to what someone tells me it is or how somebody else describes it, but it's my ability to allow myself to feel, to be, to show up, um, to lean into, right? So in my highs and in my lows, like, is Erica here? Is Erica present? And if I can say yes, even when I say no, the fact that I can acknowledge that I wasn't there, feels like I'm getting closer to that liberating factor mm-hmm. because I'm honoring me and I'm still getting to be me. Um and so yeah, for me that's where it le- lies and that's where the pleasure comes in because it's just like I also get to decide what feels good. Mm-hmm. And sometimes even the things that don't feel good, it feels good to know that they don't feel good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because so you're saying so when you say joy and love joy and love is the pleasure part is what you're saying because we get from pleasure we get joy we get love so when we're practicing pleasure practices (laughs) practicing pleasure practices that joy and love is what leads to liberation that joy and love leads to you being more present that leads to the liberation
2: yeah so for me joy and love lead to pleasure and feeling all things pleasure because pleasure for me is beyond like the sexual element pleasure for me is like allowing flavor of food to burst in my mouth and not just mm-hmm. to eat something so quickly because I'm hungry pleasure is like stepping outside for the first time in the day and feeling like the breeze blow over my exposed skin um pleasure mm-hmm. is the sunlight when it hits different parts of my body that don't get to feel the sun often like all of that those natural experiences receiving someone's words of appreciation that's all pleasure because it is hitting on like what you said that joy and love so joy and love is pleasure and when I feel I'm able to access it when I'm able to be aware of it cognizant of it that leads to liberation for me because it It's letting me know that I am in my body. I am present. I am feeling and I am allowing. Because sometimes it's also hard to receive. So it's like, no, I'm allowing the universe to absorb into me. I'm allowing myself to feel this good energy. I'm also allowing myself to be okay with the things that don't feel great and to acknowledge that it doesn't feel great. But I know there's something on the other side of it. And that thought and idea of the other side, that faith, for something that rests, taps back into that joy, that hope, that love, and that again brings out like that pleasure
0: for what's to come.
2: So that's what it feels like for me.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, That really um, helped remind me, remind me of the pleasure and liberation practice and kind of put it in really lamest terms for me because I feel like I, I participate in a lot of that, but sometimes get lost in all what it actually means. Thank you
1: yeah I think we should definitely have a part two because I want to dive deeper into this the sexual aspect and kind of like the cues and the signs um because I know I had someone ask like can we have other people watch and I'm like what's wrong with you and I know that has to that stems from somewhere But it's like, well, why do people need to like and so I'm like, you know, I don't know. I still don't know. He's gone. But anyway, I just I I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know we could I could talk about this type of stuff all day. I think it's been super enlightening, Um, not just from, from the relationship aspect, but just kind of, you know, what it looks like to allow your inner child to do its thing, you know, without suppressing it. And like Ray brought up earlier, it's like, you know, the grieving of what we're doing to our children and saying to our children, because I have a child myself. So I need to be mindful of like when I'm suppressing him and just let him do his thing. Because there are times where I don't feel like being bothered. And I'm like, just sit down, just stop talking, just, you know, but I'm like, oh, you really only going to be 10 once. So just, just just take it outside at least. but Ray, did you have any other questions or
0: comments no yeah I was just gonna say uh I mean I know that you know you do this for a living and we are grateful that you came on here and kind of done this for free I do want you to kind of share like where people can follow you you know what what any upcoming offerings that you have but also would love for you to consider like a part two where we can really dive into you know the topics of, of sex and what Queen is talking about, like and you know, that we kind of talked about this trauma and this healing part, like sex, you know, and so I don't know, just consider coming back on and we can talk about that. We would love for to have you. <laughs> but you know, please let us know where we can find you, what you have coming up and all the things. Yes, this
2: has been fun and great. And it definitely, I told y'all that, you know, whatever was present was going to take over. (laughs) I know we had like tried to outline things, but I think this has turned out to be a really good conversation. And yes, we can have a, we can discuss what a part two can look like. Queen, one thing that you were saying, sorry, um, because I think it will resonate with a lot of parents. And one question I often get is, well, how do I, as a parent, not inflict this harm on my child. And it's like, you can't. Like, I, I can't answer that. You can try as much as possible to not do all the things that happen to you, to create the spaces, to this, to that. But we, how things land on us as children is so different. And you know, we can't control how our child will react to something. So even though all the enabling factors from our perspective may be there to ensure that they have the best upbringing possible, but even that can still lead to certain wounds and traumas existing. So I always just tell people like, keep the lines of communication open with your children because that alone, give so much permission and understanding and love and growing and it helps them just like show up as better adults and it helps them to have what we call like secure attachment so I'm saying that for all the parents who are like I don't want to harm my kid oh my gosh I've been telling them to you know sit down and be quiet I'm not going to do that anymore <laughs> it's
1: like, yeah that oh, is, real. They need that too. especially after five I'm like please just stop talking
2: <laughs> right and it may be like all right you know what actually every night at eight thirty, we are just going to open up the channels of communication you won't tell me everything that's been happening in your little world so i like to do that for the, the parents
1: but again
2: thank you all for letting me come on how can you find me so my name again is erica m daniel you can always check out my website which is with Erica. E-R-I-C-A dot com. You can follow my personal Instagram page at Miss Luminary and you can follow the coaching page at underscore the underscore love lab. And so those are the two best ways to find me. Um, I'm also a teacher with the Somatica Institute, which is a California based Uh, Institute, which does sex and relationship training for those who are interested in doing training for themselves and also doing training to become coaches. So I am one of five teachers that teaches the core training there. So you can learn more about my profile, more about my certification by also visiting the Somatica Institute website. But the best place is obviously just to hit me up on Instagram in order to visit my website here. I love helping any and everyone who's just looking for a new approach to how they do relationships and how you actually honor who you are and you show up for yourself first so that you can show up for the other people in your life whom you love as well. So yes, that's it for me.
0: Thank you so much. You, we got some little free sessions in there, me and Queen. So we appreciate you. <laughs> you know, you didn't do that for a living yet can't wait to uh look into your uh, other offerings um so stay tuned everybody follow us on instagram at black around the world look us up on any um we're on youtube we're on all of the um what do you call podcasting platforms black around the world Give us a follow, give us a like, give us a rating, give us a comment, give us a give us feedback. We would love to hear you engage more with you. And you can find me um on Instagram at amaray amaray_ underscore um uh, on Instagram. We're also on TikTok. We don't really use it, but yeah, where can they find you, Queen? Just posted on TikTok like
1: three days ago. So the, we, we working it. on it. We working on, on it. On the black around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah baby. Progress, um, baby steps. <laughs> baby steps. Um, but you can find me on Instagram at Queenwood underscore A-V-E for Avenue. Um, and I'm also on Facebook. I Candy Queen Alexander. Uh, it's very, it's not fun over there on Facebook, but you can follow me all right that is well, enjoy it. the rest of your day thank you so much i appreciate you coming on and speaking with us and pouring into us um and
2: yes
1: yes we will definitely be in touch and i would say stay tuned for part two hopefully at some point <laughs> in 2024 maybe yeah. <laughs>